Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thanks for joining us here for Agriculture of America, AOA. Always good to have a conversation with you as we talk about what is happening for farmers and ranchers in rural America. And my uh, my travels continue as uh, we are at the agmarket.net Farming for Profit, Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Great conference the last two days. And coming up, we're going to have some conversations from here in Nashville. We're going to talk livestock, dairy markets, that recent cattle inventory report and more. Robin Schmall from Ag Dairy and agmarket.net is going to join us in segment three today. At the end of the program, we're also going to talk with Dan Bossy from Ag Resource Company. He uh, gave a great presentation here uh, during the conference. We're going to get some updates from him as uh, he just returned from South America and Brazil. Some thoughts on that crop and much more. So that's coming up at the end of the program today. And also in segment two, we're going to talk weather. John Baranek from DTN going to join us for our weekly conversation, give us his thoughts on what he's seeing with that forecast for North and South America here as we kick off another week. Joining me right now, though, here, Pleased to have with me one of the partners from agmarket.net, Jim McCormick. Jim, good to see you, buddy, in person. It's It's been a little while, but uh, always great to have a conversation. Thanks for having me here. Hey, good morning, and it is nice to be your neck of the woods. I'm out of Chicago area, coming down to Nashville. I can see why you're down here. It is a fun town. <laughs> we, you know, we've been down here for a little over a day, a couple days now. I'll tell you, I came down on Saturday, and it was a shock to the system. I mean, it was you're yeah. moving cold. I had piles of snow on the ground still in northern in northern Illinois. Come down here. I know see how you love it because uh, you know we went to one of those rooftop bars and uh, <laughs> had a little uh, little cocktail party with a lot of our clients. And yeah. I think it was almost near seventy. Yeah, it, beautiful weather. It gives you that hint. Spring is on the air. Maybe that ding gone big rat that they said early spring where <laughs> they yanked out of the the ground. Maybe he was right. But well, what did Eric Snodgrass say yesterday? Don't even uh, don't even pay attention to that groundhog anymore. Uh, no, I, I glad you guys are back down here again. This is an easy trip for me because it's not too far from my doorstep. Uh, so happy to be here. Let's talk a little bit about the conference, Jim. Farming for profit, not price. That is the the name and the theme of what you're talking about with uh, many customers and folks who are here in attendance. Great attendance. It looked like about two hundred some people here. I mean, talk about about the overall the overarching theme you guys are talking with folks here this week well our viewpoint of our company has always been you know it's profit is the key it's not necessarily price we all you know we all like to get kind of hung up on the five to six seven dollars what it is the bottom line is can you make money and mm-hmm. that it's going to get tougher that is just the brutal reality of the cycle of agriculture unfortunately if you farm long enough, you know there's going to be years you make a lot of money, there's years you make a little bit of money, years you lose a little bit of money, and there's just years that's very, very tough. We've had a pretty good run the last couple of years between war, unfortunately, but the market did react very positively when the Ukrainian conflict, but we've had weather production issues here. We've had problems in South America, but we seem to have been kind of changing that, that structure like we do historically and now we're rounding the other way we are building stocks mm-hmm. and we're potentially building stocks in south america so our overarching theme over this conference with producers is to try to get people ready to sell we do believe we're probably got odds are high we will get somewhat of a quote-unquote dead cat spring rally type of situation the funds sure. everyone dan pointed out a lot of our speakers have pointed out the funds are carrying this record short position especially for this time of year that's the price you know, down at these low prices, they should get out. We believe somewhere down the line, that's the profitability aspect of it. And we were trying to just encourage people to start looking at their situation. We've got an app that essentially helps you run your break-evens and try to market profitably because unfortunately the overarching of history would suggest prices are going to go lower this upcoming year without a weather problem. You mentioned Eric Snodgrass. Eric didn't go way out on that limb and say, Mm -hmm. give us a summer outlook. But, you know, I don't know about you, but what I gleaned overall, there's nothing out there that suggests a drought's on the way. No. So we've got to figure normal weather. Mm-hmm. Normal weather is trend yield. Trend yield with 91, 92 million acres of corn. You adjust for harvested acres, Jesse, you're talking about a 15 billion bushel supply of corn. That's about 500 million bushels bigger than this year's crop. 
Sure. Demand, excuse me, not crop, excuse me, demand. Mm-hmm. We're going to build ending stocks. We're going to push ending stocks 12, 13, 14%. When you look back historically, the last time we had ending stock these levels, unfortunately, were 12, 2013 through 2018. There was a five year span, and the average farm price was right around 350 all those years, plus or minus maybe 20 cents. So you can see where this market's probably going to go. The only caveat everyone makes, including myself, is the inflationary aspect. I'm not sure what the inflated value of corn is today versus it was in 2015. Yeah, and that's a great point. You you think about the dynamics have changed a little bit from that last cycle to now this cycle. Cost of inputs are more, you know, things like that. So, you know, one has to wonder is you think back to the lows back then, is there a different plateau here maybe? Is there a different set of lows? Exactly. This is an antidote I love to give when I give presentations. 2015, I fully met, bought myself one of those brand new spanking Ford aluminum body trucks. Mm-hmm. Those trucks in 2015, anybody remembers bought them, stickered out somewhere around $60,000. That same truck today is going to sticker out what? 85? 90? 90? Yeah. So that's the inflation we've seen from 2015 to 2024 over nine years. So I don't know how you, you know, what does that mean to corn? In 2015, we had stocks use of corn 12, 13, 14%. We got stocks used this year at the same levels. Are we going to go to 350 corn? If just raw looking at the chart, that's the value. I, the chart tells me we're going to 350. Mm-hmm. The inflationary value tells me maybe not. What I think you're going to find out this year is the new paradigm. What is the new low? I mean, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. People say, well, we'll, we'll yeah, I remember we got over four. Oh, we'll never go back below four. You get over five. We don't know where that is, but we're going to find out, I believe, with a normal crop. We are going to get down there, and then we're going to find the true value of inflationary corn, at least temporary. Got about a minute or so here. Wazdy on Thursday. Uh, you know, we look at the market action to start the week. It's a little quiet, a little tepid. Are you worried about that WASD report coming up? Maybe making any major changes, Jim? Minor changes a little bit, maybe bump a little bit of demand here and there. The wild card's going to be South America. They are sure. looking for revisions in South America. The question is, are they going to revise it hard enough? We were at 157. Conab was at 155. We'll get a new Conab number sooner than later. But the reality is, Jesse, you got to get it below 150 before this market. I think worries that we got out of production problem. I don't believe the USDA will go that aggressive. They tend to walk it down as opposed to run it down. So slightly friendly, but maybe not friendly enough to get the market to get that snap bull reaction we're all hoping for. Still feels like a lot of the same headwinds from last week on the on the stock market side, financials, South American weather, higher dollar, you name it. It seems like a lot of these headwinds are still in front of this market ahead of the WASD. Exactly. The dollar's up strongly today, and that's that's definitely putting some pressure on some a lot of the commodities right now. Mm-hmm. Stock market's weakening a little bit. Commodities are cheap to the stocks. The question is, eventually, can you switch that money away from the stock market money to come in and buy commodities? But to get that, Jesse, you got to get a little inflationary story. And right now, there's not an inflationary story in commodities because we've got an oversupply at the moment. Well, definitely a lot of things to think about. And again, you know, farm for profit, not price. Right, Jim? Excellent. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jim McCormick with agmarket.net joining us here at the uh, agmarket.net conference in Nashville. Jim, always good to have a conversation with you, sir. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And we'll see you in Houston. Yes, we will. We will see you in a couple of weeks at Commodity Classic in Houston. All right, coming up next, we'll talk weather with DTN's John Baranek. That's next here on AOA. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. 
non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Give to the V Foundation. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at V.org. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And we continue AOA here today as we broadcast live from agmarket.net's Farming for Profit, Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Joining us now to take a look at the weather for the week ahead, we're joined by DTN meteorologist John Moranick. John, good to talk with you again Hope you had a good weekend, and I'm guessing uh, for you, like many folks, pretty mild over the weekend, wasn't it, John? Oh yeah, it was fantastic, Jesse. I mean, I, I can't, I can't tell you how much I've been loving this winter up here in Minnesota. I mean, we've <laughs> had a total of seven inches of snow the entire winter, so uh, it's been it's been pretty great up here. Yeah, I, well, and I know uh, farther to the Mid-South, it's been good, too, outside of a, a snow and ice event in Tennessee. I mean, things have been pretty good uh, this way as well. And, you know, really just east of the Rockies the last couple of weeks, John, it feels like you draw a map, and that's where things have, have warmed back up after that polar vortex blast, and things have been pretty mild here uh, since the really the back half of January, and it's looking like it's going to stay that way for a good chunk of this week, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really the background feature of during El Nino as well. I mean, that's December was was very, very warm. Um, you know, or even early January was pretty warm. It was just that Arctic blast that happened in the middle of the month last month that kind of kind of moved things around a bit. Um, but we, we stay warm this week, Jesse. Um, for, for most of us, we're going to see temperatures either above or well above normal. Uh, up here in, in Minnesota, I'm going to be pushing records um, up here in the next few days uh, with temperatures up in the mid-50s possible. So it's it's kind of wild to think that that's what our temperature forecast is here uh, in early February. Usually we're talking about, you know, below zeros and and all that. But, yeah, this, this week's going to be another good one, um, at, at least if you like the warmth. I mean, if you need to see some snow and, and you're hoping for, for, you know, a lot of, folks up in the north trying to go snowmobiling or, or ice fishing or something like that it's tough to do uh but for the rest of us that might not like winter time uh so much we're we're in, we're in good shape right now mm -hmm. we do have um a, a change coming up here though this week jesse and uh you know those that are out in the west uh definitely saw um big change uh late last week when when they got pounded with with a big kind of atmospheric river um event and and brought a whole bunch of flooding to california they saw another burst of that come through on sunday and that system uh is going to kind of linger out there in the west the next couple days but we're seeing some big changes east of the rockies uh at least in terms of precipitation um maybe not so much in temperatures but we'll get to that in a second 
Uh, this, this this trough out there is just going to send several pieces of energy through the, the eastern half of the country here, starting on Wednesday and, and uh, going through early next week. And they're going to kind of go in succession from north to south. So this first piece on Wednesday and Thursday goes mostly over the northern plains and upper Midwest. And for the, for most of people here, it'll it'll be rain, but we will see some probably some significant snow over Montana and North Dakota um, due to this system. We might even see you know with how warm it is, we might see thunderstorms all the way up into into my area uh, as well into southern Minnesota. So mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty remarkable um, with with this first system. The the kind of two that follow that are still being determined by models. They're not quite sure exactly how to do it with the timing and how everything's going to kind of evolve here but we've got some potential here for some um another uh significant uh little storm moving along that cold front from the first one from kind mm-hmm. of the southern plains up into the northeast for the weekend and then a third piece that's more like in the gulf coast and southeast so they continuing to move southward but you know it looks like everybody's going to get in on at least a, a little bit of something here uh later this week and into early next week well, and it's been impressive too, John. You mentioned kind of that atmospheric flow into the West Coast here the last couple of uh, last few days, last week or so. I mean, watching just all that flow and the jet stream and more from basically Japan to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just, you know, I, I'm sure as a weather guy, really cool, impressive things to watch there when, when things like that happen, right? Oh, I nerd out a little bit, of course, Jesse. <laughs> when it's that far, I mean, like you said, it, it came from Japan, went just north of Hawaii and all the way into California. It's pretty impressive to see on satellite when it goes over, you know, eight, ten thousand 10,000 miles uh, of the globe, uh, just, just streaming in. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, we saw the first burst of it last, last, later last week. Uh, we've got another burst of it coming through this week. And, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, producing plenty of precipitation out there for those in the West. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, that means flooding uh, for a lot of folks in, say, California um, and kind of the, the areas of the Southwest where soils don't really handle that that kind of moisture very well. But it's good for reducing drought. And there is still some of it out there in the West, so they'll, they'll be happy to take it. And I know a lot of the snow... Uh, snow resorts and stuff out there would, would mm-hmm. gladly take some more snow for, for skiers and stuff too. So definitely. Well, uh, and, and two on that note, you know, so going to see some moisture here. It sounds like some spots this week ahead. You mentioned earlier temperatures though, maybe not going to pull back as much. Uh, talk about that real quick before we jump over to South America's weather. Yeah. I mean, we do see some minor shifts downward in temperatures. We're going to be going away from record highs uh, after the system goes by. But I mean, there, it's not like a, there's a whole pool of cold air that's coming in behind it. It's just coming out of the Pacific. So uh, we're going to have to wait until sometime the following week. So the week of, of Valentine's Day to, to finally get some you know more seasonably cooler temperatures to move in. Um, it looks like starting right there on Valentine's day might be a, a, a little small kicker clipper storm that might bring in something cooler. And then we'll watch uh, kind of later next week to see if we can get something even colder than that to move in. But it's not looking like an Arctic blast, at least not yet. Uh, we'll have to wait for later in the month to see how that possibly pans out. Okay. All right. Let's turn our attention to South America's weather. I know uh, a lot of folks have been talking about that. I've been hearing about that here at the uh, Ag Market Conference in Nashville, Brazil, Argentina. Uh, Let's start with Argentina because I know it's been hot down there and dry the last couple of days, and some folks have been concerned about that. Uh, Frame this up for us. Are you overly concerned with how hot and dry things have been here the last 10 days in Argentina, John? Yeah, it's been closer to 17 days uh, for, for some of these areas uh, with really little or absolutely no rainfall. And then temperatures, as you mentioned, we're, we're getting very high, uh, getting up to 100 degrees in the afternoon or, or maybe a little bit higher. And so, you know, and it's a critical time period right now for corn and soybeans in Argentina. They're getting into their pollination and, and fill periods there. And, uh, you know, this is not the time when you want to have these hot and dry conditions. So, yes, definitely concerned about that. We saw crop conditions uh, from the Buenos Aires grain exchange uh, plummet um, last late last week. And with, with the hot and dry conditions here the next few days, that's probably going to see another big dip uh, when that report comes out on Thursday. So um, the good news for Argentina, though, and those farmers down there is that it looks like this this stretch is going to be over here 
this week. Um, we've already had a little bit of limited showers over the weekend. Um, couple of them kind of surprising in there, but uh, we get this front to move into Southern Argentina on Wednesday, and it's going to be kind of a slow mover through the country through the end of the week and weekend. So we're going to have definite periods here of some heavy rain moving through the areas that have been very dry uh, for the last few weeks. And um, it, it should help to at least ease the stress, if not uh, potentially turn around some of those crop conditions, but that would, that's, um, you know, we're, we have to go through another few, few, uh, hot and dry days yet. Okay. All right. How about Brazil? What's the latest you're seeing there is we're, we're getting that soybean harvest and shifting over to Safrina corn planting. How are things looking in Brazil right now? Yeah. And they had a pretty good, uh, week last week of, of getting some of that field work done. They were pretty dry in a lot of areas last week. You know, it's not great for the crop that's still in the ground, but for getting that, for getting those soybeans out and the corn planted, uh, we saw some pretty big jumps, um, in some of these areas in some of that field work that went on. So, uh, that was good for them, especially because it was followed by some pretty good rainfall in central Brazil over the weekend, even some isolated showers in Southern Brazil that weren't really expected. So, uh, overall that's, pretty decent. Um, Central Brazil is going to see daily showers here. They're, they're normal wet season showers. It looks like all this week. Um, some areas might be a little too heavy and that's going to kind of bog down some progress. But, you know, farmers down there are just so used to working in these conditions. This happens every year. So mm -hmm. um, dodging showers is something they're not used to. Um, uh, it's kind of actually Southern Brazil I'm a little bit more concerned about because although they got some isolated showers for the weekend and they may have some popping up here throughout the course of the week, it's not like we got... Um, any heavy rain coming for them and they've been on the drier end of things for a while now. So uh, those Southern areas uh, could use some rainfall. It looks like they'll wait for that system. That's in Argentina to move through either this weekend or more likely next week to get some better rains in there for them. Fantastic. Well, John always appreciate the time and the knowledge as to what's going on with the weather. Thanks for joining us on AOA again this week and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week, John. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the conference. Thank you. Thank you. John Baranek there, DTN meteorologist, joining us here today on AOA. Speaking of South America, we're going to get an update. Uh, Dan Bossi was just down in Brazil. He's going to join us coming up in segment four and give us his thoughts on what he saw down there and talk markets. But coming up next, we're going to talk livestock, dairy, and more. Robert Schmall with Ag Dairy, a division of agmarket.net, and John Stewart Associates. He joins us next as we continue our live coverage from agmarket.net's conference in Nashville here on AOA, Agriculture of America, back after this. Looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grain oil seeds are currently mixed to mostly lower. Soybean oil is showing some support on the day. Now it's a stronger dollar, which is up sharply today, combined with higher treasury yields, which is continuing to create headwinds for the broader commodity sector. Although losses in crude oil have been limited by rising geopolitical risks in the Middle East, yet the grain and oil seed sector is remaining under pressure from those factors that continue to keep commodity deflation as a central mantra amid the developments. Now, the bullish drumbeat for the oil seas the past several months was that Brazil's weather problems would delay the soybean harvest there. That would extend the U.S. export season while delaying the planting of the safrina corn crop, raising risks for it as well. Risks remain elevated for the winter corn crop due to concerns that we could see an early end to the monsoon rains this year, but delays are not a factor currently. 
Survey data from Stonex Brazil's team has revealed that 15% of Brazil's soybeans have been harvested as of Friday. That's up 10% from a year ago and near the midpoint of the progress of the last five years. And in fact, one-third of the Mato Grosso soybeans have been harvested as of Friday. That is up from 30% the previous year. That's allowing soybeans to quickly move to the ports with winter corn planting rapidly advancing as well. Winter corn planting progress reached 20% as of Friday. That's up 11% from the previous year and again near the midpoint of progress over the past five years with Mato Grosso winter corn planting at 25%. That is five points higher than the previous year's pace. Instead, though, it is the commodity deflation which is remaining the primary driving force on Wall Street with fund managers maintaining large short positions across much of the sector. Rising treasury yields currently are being seen as the Fed's way of combating sticky inflation, which in the fund manager's playbook means to short commodities. The VIX is back to trading near 14 again this morning, while the dollar is sharply higher and crude oil prices are approaching 1% off currently. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. In Iraq, our truck hit a roadside bomb. I had about 16 surgeries on my hand so that I could regain function. And when I came home, I needed a new roof due to a storm. And my electrical was deemed unsafe. And I was about to lose homeowner's insurance as well. I didn't really know where to go in order to get help. And so I applied for Operation Homefront Critical Financial Assistance Program. They've really been a blessing. Operation Homefront is a safety net. A lot of veterans, they fall through the cracks sometimes. And Operation Homefront, they catch us. It's been a blessing to us. It's a blessing to other veteran families. And it's good to know that when we come home, there are people who are there that care about us and want to see us do well and want to see us succeed. And we feel it and we appreciate that. I would say you guys are angels behind closed doors. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And as we continue our coverage here of the agmarket.net farming for profit not price conference in Nashville, Tennessee, joining us now for a conversation on the livestock and dairy side, Robert Schmall with Ag Dairy, a division of John Stewart Associates and agmarket.net. And Robin, good to see you here in Nashville. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, yeah, and great to see you again. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, been a while since we got to talk in person anyway. I know yeah. we've, we've talked uh, via video a few times. Always good to uh, chat with you and uh, we got a few things to look at here let's start with that cattle inventory report we got at the uh, middle of last week end of january technically um you know looking at the numbers i guess to me everything looked fairly neutral uh, your perspective uh, on the cattle inventory numbers robin yeah, you know, the trade generally reacts to how the numbers are relative to the analyst estimates. Mm -hmm. And so it was fairly neutral from what they had anticipated. Uh, looking at the bigger picture, yeah, we're down quite a bit on inventory. And, and with our heifer numbers, uh, we're looking at a, more of a longer period of time before we can maybe see this herd start to rebuild. Sure. We haven't really seen the, the retention or the rebuilding of that at this point in time yet. That will happen at some point, but we haven't seen it now. So in the bigger picture, we are still, I'll, I'll say, very well supported. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that we're like overly bullish yeah. um, because there's other things that come into play. There's, there's the supply and there's the demand. And um, I always say the standpoint of if there's one cow left in the country and nobody wants it, mm -hmm. the price is too high. So that's the other side of that equation. But when we're looking at the numbers, we're looking at demand, um, export market, yeah, it's been a little bit mediocre lately, but box beef is starting to weaken again from what had its strength. Um, it does look like it's a supported market, and that, that report does show that on the bigger picture. There was a quite a substantial revision to, I think it was last year's heifer number. I think it was like some 400,000. We were talking about this uh, here before we went on the air. Uh, that's a, I feel like that's a big deal in terms of looking at rebuilding this herd, isn't it, Robin? Yeah, when you're, when you're that 
much of a revision, which I don't understand how that can be that far off. I, I didn't either. That's the other thing. I was kind of scratching my head at that one for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if um, you know the people just didn't have enough donuts or didn't have enough to eat before <laughs> they, they looked at that or, or somebody misunderstood what somebody mm -hmm. else said. But when you're looking at a... Uh, such a revision. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I've I've known revisions like that happening before, and it's been a huge impact in the market. Mm -hmm. Now, this really didn't have that quite of a substantial impact yet, um, but it again, it goes back to the standpoint of if there's that much of a revision in there, uh, it's going to prolong the potential for that market to rebuild sure. and to maybe move that pendulum back to the other side where mm -hmm. we're, we're a little bit more negative or should I say more well supplied than what we are right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be curious, I think, to watch uh, throughout this year with the heifer retention and, and things of that nature. You know, the economics, I think we could argue, are they there? Are they not there to start rebuilding the herd? Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into uh, whatever we do in terms of a herd rebuild, herd expansion, isn't there, Robin? Yeah, there's a lot there. I know that our interest rates are higher now. Yep. I mean, we're looking at high prices for feeder cattle, calves. Um, so the key there is going to be if you're going to be buying some of these animals for down the road, you got to make sure that you can cover yourself on the other side mm -hmm. because a lot of things can happen. Um, now, you know, with the Fed not looking that or looking that we might be where they want it to be, interest rates might not be increasing here. But, but then you're looking at the feed side of the equation, facility side of the equation, marketing side of the equation, and feed prices look now like they're going to be reasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even cheaper. So that kind of takes that off the table from the concern we had before. But then the bigger thing is going to be the weather. Is El Nino going to be hanging around a little bit more? Could we see a little bit of more dryness into the, the Plains states, uh, the cattle country? Then that will prolong that rebuilding process mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of working parts in there uh, that we got to be careful. We just don't camp on one or two things. Yeah. Talk to me about the dairy numbers uh, we've seen with the cattle inventory report. And I know we just had a milk production report as well here. So we've had a lot of dairy data lately. And I know you had some thoughts about that to share with folks. Yeah, the biannual inventory report or the, the inventory report for the all cattle. Uh, we did see uh, a decrease for January from the previous year, January for milk cows of 41,000 head. We saw a decrease in the heifer numbers or the replacement heifers of 15,000 head. Um, but we're looking at the ratio of replacements to dairy cattle almost identical as last year, mm -hmm. which was about 43.4%. Now you have to make a comparison January to January to January because January and July numbers are always different for some reason. But otherwise, if you're looking at the January inventory on replacement heifers, it was the lowest ratio to cow numbers since 1998. Wow. And that goes to the point of when we're looking at um, the heifer market right now, replacement market, it's tight. And heifer prices continue to grow, go higher. I mean, we're looking at 27, 2800 for a replacement heifer when we got milk prices as low as they are. It's, it's not usually that way. So um, these farms that are going out of business, there's a big demand for the dairy cows now, so they're not going to slaughter. So we saw a really slow a low slaughter number on the livestock slaughter report. So um, one of the big things there might be the beef on dairy push, yes, which is putting less heifers available out into the market. Um, and again, that's something that like the whole beef market can't change overnight. You know, there's nobody has a bag of heifer seed in the shed where they can put water on and all of a <laughs> sudden we have more heifers. It's a longer term process. And well, that could be more bullish to the dairy industry a little bit later down the road. Not mm -hmm. saying it's going to be, but... Uh, at this point in time, but that's been pretty significant as far as that inventory report is concerned. And then when we look at milk production, um, our, our milk production for 
The last year was almost on par with the previous year. USDA is still predicting about 4 billion pounds more this next year, but that's a monthly moving target. Um, we, we're, we have less cows, but our milk production per cow has been growing and it's been stronger. So we keep making strides in that aspect of it, production per cow. But one thing we're seeing overall is even with the low milk prices, farmers are wanting to produce milk. Mm-hmm. And they're not pulling back right now like we saw in 2021 where we started seeing some really heavy culling. That's not happening right now. So they want to produce milk. That's the nature of the business. Uh, we produce milk when the price goes lower. We want to get the most we can out of the cows. And when the price goes higher, we want to get the most we can out of the cows. <laughs> and that's just the nature of the business. And that's, that's not wrong. Yeah. Because we can't jump in and out like a manufacturing plant. It's a business, and that's what we have to do. Very, very true. Very, very true. Robin, I know you look at the entire livestock arena as well. I'd love some thoughts on this hog market right now. feels like hogs have maybe found a base to some degree here the last month or so. Your thoughts on what we're seeing right now in this hog market overall? Yeah, it seems like we found a base. Um, We've been seeing the cash market see some nice strides over the last month. Um, We've seen just in the last export sales report, a doubled export sales of the previous week. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be like that's what was happening prior to the report coming out. And that's why they were much stronger on cash. Uh, Cutouts really are just kind of drifting along at this point in time. But there's been some talk about the the PERS disease that's been having a greater impact than what's really being reported right now. Uh, so it's possible. We don't have the numbers bearing that out yet, but it's possible that we could be seeing a tightening in that hog supply. And I don't think hogs are going to continue to shoot up like cattle did because uh, we're not in that type of a posture mm-hmm. But we seem to be found, uh, have found some good, solid support under it right now. But that's not going to be without some market retracements. But I would venture to say that probably the worst is behind us, at least for a period of time. How much has the collapse in Chinese hog prices had any impact in our market? I, I, I really think that ours, when, when Hong Kong or China came out and said, we want to reduce our hog herd because of the African swine fever problems they have, well, the market did react somewhat at the beginning, and the anticipation is is of greater export opportunity. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're starting to see that, like I said, with the weekly export sales. Yeah. If that continues to be strong, and China's always in there as maybe a, one of the top three buyers, I think we're going to see more evidence of that. Robin, uh, about a minute here. Final thoughts. What should livestock folks be thinking about next 60 to 90 days here in terms of their risk management. What would you say? Well, I think you have to take some opportunities on this movement up and to lay some floors in. And, and, and I know that it's gotten a lot of popularity lately, but this livestock risk protection insurance has really gained a lot of interest. And I think that's a really good way to try to put some floors in on your price or, if nothing else, do some option strategies, put options. I don't recommend this personally. I don't recommend doing a forward contracts because there is potential for quite a bit of upside, mm-hmm. but doing something that allows a lot of flexibility. And so those two things I think are a necessity when you're buying those feeder cattle and calves at the exorbitant prices they are right now. With that, Robin Schmall from agdairyagmarket.net. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be back with more here on AOA right after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. 
You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Teachers are dynamic leaders, shaping a new generation. They bring a variety of perspectives from diverse backgrounds, innovating how they teach to prepare students for our fast-changing world. Achieving this takes skill and expertise. They're tireless explorers, creatively discovering a universe of solutions, telling stories, experimenting, inspiring, mentoring, connecting cultures, and connecting with each other. Leading by example. Experience the unique joy of helping students thrive. Teaching is a journey that shapes lives. Are you ready to begin? Explore teaching at teach.org. A campaign supported by the U.S. Department of Education, teach.org, and one million teachers of color. Wheat growers of the North, it's time to push performance with Westbred Wheat. With regionally proven varieties like WB9606 with good stress tolerance and WB9719 with outstanding yield potential and excellent standability. Trust Westbred Wheat to help you get the most out of every acre. Now's the time. Boldly grow. Seize the season with Westbred Wheat. Performance may vary. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. When news happens in agriculture or when the markets are moving, we've got you covered as your trusted voice in agriculture. The team at the American Ag Network has the knowledge and experience to keep you informed on the issues impacting farmers and ranchers. We've got you covered on air, online, and on demand. Find the American Ag Network on your favorite social media platforms and also follow the American Ag Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the American Ag Network. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted card to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here as we continue our coverage at the agmarket.net Farming for Profit Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Pleased to have a conversation with Dan Bossy from Ag Resource Company. Dan, it's great to uh, see you here and officially meet you in person. Thanks for joining us today. 
You're very welcome, Jesse. It's been a great conference, and I've enjoyed speaking, and what a lot of good feedback and uh, intelligence that's circulated here. Definitely, uh, definitely. And I know you just got done talking to folks here not too long ago, and really uh, great conversation with them, and I'm sure a lot of questions surrounding you know, what these markets are going to do in the short term. We've been watching South American weather, of course. You just told me you just got back from Brazil. So why don't we start there? What are you seeing right now in South America? What did you see? Yeah, no, I, I, I saw a crop that was not up to expectations. Maybe let me frame it uh, one way, which is uh, I've never in my 45 years of being in this business seen such a big disparity on crop size estimates in Brazil during the month of February. I mean, there's some people out there at 158 million metric tons. USDA is one of them at 157. And then there's others like Apersocia, which is the uh, the uh, uh, farming group, uh, if you will, the, the Soybean Association in Brazil down at uh, 135. So there's 23 million metric tons of soybean differential, which is almost 800 million bushels. And that's a big deal to the market, depending upon where the crop comes out. So. We, we believe, uh, to st maybe step ahead of you one minute here, which is uh -huh. we believe at Ag Resource uh, from our surveys and our clients uh, that have reported yields down there and we model it out, that we come up with a crop of about 145 million metric tons. Now, USDA is not coming down to that level on Thursday, but this is where we think the final crop will come out. And then it's, it's really the weather in Rio Grande de Sol, Santa Catarina, Paraná, and Mato Grosso de Sol, which will determine where the crop goes up or down from there. So, you know, it's, it's a crop that got dinged. It's about a 12% yield loss from last year. Um, it's important, uh, but at the end of the day, Argentina still got enough crop to band-aid the world over. So big rallies are unlikely, but I also don't believe there's a lot of downside in the market relative to where we're sitting today. I feel like a lot of what I've seen across our commodity markets, and there's uh, so many varying things going on right now, but it just feels like there's been a lot of bearishness in our grain markets here in the last couple of months it almost feels like you know if you're thinking about the boat it almost feels like we've gone all the way over to one side here and uh, in terms of these markets being relatively bearish here lately dan well i think that's right i, I asked the crowd here before i speak to it was, it was there a bull in the house and not one hand went up <laughs> and so you're you're right jesse i mean uh, the mentality of this market is very very bearish right now in fact if i look at the commitment of traders report look at corn net fund short positions or money money short positions. It's only mm -hmm. been 13 weeks in which we've had funds shorter than what they're sitting today. Not meaning they can't sell more, but uh, it, it kind of leaves you with a feeling of, well, maybe a lot of the bearish news is kind of digested. But again, I don't have any catalyst or bullish news here to put my teeth into you to say the market's ready to go the other way. Well, it's something that I know for a lot of folks who are in this room here listening, you know, they're they're worried about cost of inputs. They're worried about putting a crop in the ground this year and not having a great price. You know, we hear about things like sustainable aviation fuel and some of these other demand potential things that are on the horizon. But to me, the here and now, you know, there's a lot of decisions that these, these guys and gals are going to have to make in the next few months, and they're going to have to be smart about their marketing, I would have to think. Well, you're right. And when you look at the, uh, the, what we calculate to be the break-even price for the U.S. farmer, I'm now using all areas, Delta, Midwest, Northern Plains, it's about $4.74 a bushel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where December corn is pricing, it's, it's, it's either a slight loss or, an, or, or a break-even this year. On soybeans, it's about the same, though maybe not quite as bad. There's a little more margin there. So it's been since 2018 and 19 that U.S. farmers have head, headed to the fields, and they're not looking at profitability. And, and you know, when I, when I think about rising costs and the price of seed has not come down, the price of some chemicals has not come down, fertilizers come down, but equipment prices have not come down. And so land rents are still relatively high. So the farmer's kind of in a vice here at the moment in terms of high inputs and a high cost. We calculate the average uh, cost to plant an acre of corn is going to be $790 this year. It's down a little bit, but boy, making money on that kind of uh, expenditure is going to be difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult. So uh, what would you say to folks as they're thinking about things here? You know, we got a few months left before spring planting season starts. We know there could be a lot of changes and decisions between now and when those planters roll, especially in some of those fringe areas of the U.S. I think about, you know, marginal changes there for acreage potentially, but 
What would you say to folks? What do you want to remind them to think about here and keep in perspective, I guess I would say, the next couple of months? Well, I'd always tell everyone, know your cost of production and then be willing to look at marketing plans that give you margins somewhere between, if you can see 10 or 15%, that's a place to start. If you get up to 20, 25%, you need to go all in. And that's kind of where my mindset is, not only for this year, but even thinking forward. Brazil is still ready to expand on its acreage. It still has opportunities to produce more. So at, at the moment, that's kind of where our mentality needs to be. And, and the one thing that gives me some hope is this big net short or crowded trade on the mm-hmm. bear side. And then what we see in a very volatile climate. I mean, if you think about... Uh, one of the correlative studies we do is if I have a very warm December, January, February, I'm now talking collectively because we were very cold there for a minute, uh, but 20, 10 days in January. But overall, we're looking at record warm temperatures. If I correlate that to the Midwest, there is this correlation that maybe we could be looking at a summer of extreme heat. And uh, what do we do with it? What does the market do with it? I think will be very key. But we got to start somewhere and we got to think of margin and profitability. And I think that's the key to the year. One final thought uh, for you real quick. Uh, a few of the folks asked some questions on the livestock side, too, and one had brought up hogs and, and soybean meal. And you raised a good point about the poultry side to try and help on the soybean meal market, I believe. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we don't, we don't get rid of enough uh, soybean meal through a hog or a, or a ruminant like a cow. Uh, we need to move it to our feathered friends, which are going to be, you know, layers or broilers or turkeys. That's where we consume a lot of soybean meal. So the one thing that's going to happen, I think, in the future is that soybean meal prices go down. Hopefully soybean oil prices go up. But the, the feathered, our feathered friends in the United States increase dramatically. And that provides an export opportunity for the U.S. to export uh, a poultry meat overseas. And that's maybe the next big driver for American agriculture. Dan, great conversation. And I know it won't be the last one you and I have. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining me here in Nashville at the AgMarket.net conference. Be well, Jesse. And we are out of time here today on AOA, broadcasting live from the agmarket.net conference in Nashville. We'll have more conversations from the conference coming up later this week. But tomorrow, I'll be broadcasting live from the Northern Quarter Soy Expo in Fargo. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting at homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal.